0: HOW MANY OF YOU HAVE EVER HEARD OF BROWARD COUNTY, FLORIDA? IT'S BEEN THE NEWS A LOT LATELY, HASN'T IT? IT'S CONSIDERED THE MOST LIBERAL COUNTY IN FLORIDA. IT'S WHERE ALL THE ELECTION PROBLEMS WERE A FEW WEEKS AGO. THEY COULDN'T SEEM TO FIGURE OUT HOW TO COUNT THE BALLOTS. AND uh, A LOT OF LIBERALISM IN BROWARD COUNTY, FLORIDA. IT'S BEEN KNOWN FOR THAT FOR YEARS AND YEARS AND YEARS. WELL, OUR SPEAKER TODAY PASTORS A CHURCH RIGHT IN THE HEART OF BROWARD COUNTY. Cooper City, Florida. It's a church that, when he went there 10 years ago, had 18 people and now averages over 400 people every Sunday. They don't have a rock band. They don't have blinking lights. It's an old-fashioned, Bible-preaching, soul-winning, fundamental, independent Baptist church. AND THEY'RE REACHING PEOPLE WITH all, ALL THE TRENDY STUFF, JUST BEING FAITHFUL TO GOD, FAITHFUL TO GOD'S WORD, FAITHFUL to THE OLD-TIME WAY. AND I'M SO THANKFUL FOR THAT. BECAUSE SOMETIMES WE THINK, WELL, WE GOTTA HAVE THIS, GOTTA HAVE THAT. ALL YOU NEED IS THIS AND GOD ON YOUR SIDE. AND uh, YOU CAN REACH PEOPLE, NO MATTER WHERE THEY LIVE OR WHAT THEY BELIEVE OR WHAT THEIR BACKGROUND IS. AND IT'S BEING PROVEN uh, BY THIS CHURCH, PASTOR TOM Odom. And we're so glad that he would be here. He's had our groups in his church over the years, and and uh, we're delighted in our friendship. And we thank the Lord for his testimony and the fact that he would come all the way across the country, brought his son with him, and uh, came all the way across the country to be with us just for today. And I'm honored that he would come. So let's welcome Pastor Tom Odom as he comes to preach for us
1: Thank you. You can be seated. And uh, thank you, Dr. Getch, for that. And thank you, all the staff, Dr. Rasmussen, of course, Pastor Chappell, and all that have made our our trip wonderful. Thank you for your hospitality. It is a real blessing to be here with you today. And uh, how many folks out there from Florida? Raise your hand, all my Floridian friends. Lots of Floridians here. That's a blessing. And uh, anybody out there live in Broward County, where I live, raise your hand. Anybody like that? Well, It's a blessing to be here, and what Dr. Getz said is true. We're hoping we finally learned how to count votes down there. But um, God is calling out a church for His name and glory down there. We praise the Lord for all He has done. I thank God for Bible colleges like this, places like this. These kind of places are needed in our nation and our world today. I thank God for my days I had at Bible college many years ago. It's hard to believe I, I went to Bible college in the late 1990s. BACK BEFORE TELEVISION AND INTERNET, JUST KIDDING. Uh, BUT um, I THANK GOD FOR ALL THAT I LEARNED AND ALL THAT I RECEIVED. THESE ARE EXCITING DAYS FOR for MANY OF YOU, AND uh, GOD HAS GREAT, GREAT THINGS AHEAD FOR YOUR LIFE IF YOU'LL SURRENDER YOURSELF TO HIM AND FOLLOW HIM. BUT I RECEIVED SO MANY GREAT THINGS AT COLLEGE, BUT PROBABLY THE the BEST THING I FOUND AT BIBLE COLLEGE WAS MY WIFE, AMEN. AND uh, SHE WASN'T ABLE TO COME WITH ME ON THIS TRIP, BUT I PRAISE THE LORD, I DID MEET HER AT BIBLE COLLEGE. And that's a great place to meet your future spouse. Amen? Amen. And uh, how many of you are on the hunt right now? I'm just kidding, all right? How many of you are searching, pursuing, praying? Amen. Well, we'll pray that God will bless you in that. And uh, so good to be here today. Take your Bibles with me. Let's open up the Word of God to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the very last chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. As we come to this last chapter of this wonderful book, the apostle Paul is writing to a church that he loved, the church that he had established, but a church that had wandered, and had not followed the Lord completely as they should have and first Corinthians chapter sixteen, beginning at verse number one, the word of God reads, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whosoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia." And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want to draw your attention to that verse number 9 as our text verse and the theme of the message today is found in verse number 9. And if you like to mark things in your Bible or you're taking notes today, I want you to mark this little phrase, a great door, a great door. Paul said, for a great door, an effectual, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. A great door. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to You again this hour and we ask Your blessing upon now the preaching of Your Word. Thank You, Father, for the sweet spirit in this place, the music that we have enjoyed singing and hearing these wonderful truths about our salvation in the Christian life. And now, Father, we recognize the power of Your Word. We recognize that You have ordained Bible preaching to speak to our hearts. And so, Father God, I thank you for the privilege I have to be the preacher this hour. I pray that you'll empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. May your will be accomplished in every life and every heart here today. May we not leave today without hearing from you and obeying you. And Father, help me to be a spirit filled preacher this morning, obedient to your leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This chapter is Paul's final conclusion, final statements. TO A LETTER THAT HE WROTE TO A CHURCH THAT HE LOVED. AS I SAID EARLIER, THE CHURCH AT CORINTH was a church that had wandered from the path of God's will. If you've read it recently or studied 1 Corinthians, you'll know that there was a lot of carnality in the church at Corinth. There was a lot of disobedience in the church at Corinth. There was a lot of pride in the church at Corinth. And sometimes when we think of them and we we look at them, we kind of get a little judgmental and we say, how could they do that? How could they act that way? But before we get judgmental against the church at Corinth, we would all be wise to first judge judge ourselves. As a matter of fact, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians reminds us to judge ourselves lest we be judged. And the fact of the matter is today that every one of us have to deal with our own carnal heart. We all have to deal with our own pride in our own Desire of disobedience in the flesh. And we all have to surrender to God daily. And Paul is encouraging this church. As a matter of fact, if you read through the book, he, uh, there's plenty of rebuke, amen? And how many of you know sometimes we need a good rebuke from God? We need a preacher to get up and, and step on our toes a little bit. We all need that. Even us preachers need that. And Paul does plenty of that in the book of 1 Corinthians. There's rebuke through the book. There's reproof through the book, showing them where they are wrong, correcting them into what is right. But I'm thankful that in this last chapter, Paul turns to exhortation. He's rebuked them pretty good. He's uh, he's toasted them pretty well through this book. But now he encourages them. And I want to encourage you, you preachers here today, and you, those that are trained to be preachers, when you get up to preach the word of God, yes, you must rebuke with the truth of God's word. And yes, you must reprove. But don't forget to exhort and encourage people as well. In this final statement, Paul turns to a testimony mode. He's encouraging them in the Lord. This is a divided church, a distracted church, a a defeated church, but it is a church that still has hope in serving God. And Paul reminds them that God is still on the throne and God has a work that is still to be done. And it can be done, whether it be in Ephesus or whether it be in Corinth or whether it be in Lancaster or whether it be in Broward County. God is still opening great doors to do his work. And he encourages them in that way, as I want to encourage you in that way even today. As we look at Paul's testimony in this final chapter, we see some great things that that church needed to see many years ago and that we need to see today. First of all, as we look at this passage, we see Paul's pursuit of the open doors of God. Paul's pursuit of the open door. What I like about this first part of chapter 16 is as you look at verses 1 and We read through that earlier. We find, first of all, that Paul was a prepared man. If you're taking notes, write that down. Paul was a prepared man. As you're learning in college, one of the great lessons you're going to learn in Bible college is that you need to be a prepared person. Make plans. Have agendas. Have programs. Have have a plan for your life. Uh, Set out. Be organized. Somebody say amen right there. Some of you are going to go out and try to build the greatest church in the world. Learn to make your bed every morning. Amen? That's a good place to start. But Paul was a prepared man. Look what he said in chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Paul had given order. Paul believed in order. God gives order to the church. He had instructed the churches in Galatia how to receive the offerings for the collection for the saints. Now he's giving this plan He's preparing to receive this offering in Corinth. Look at verse 2. He told them how to do it and when to do it. Upon the first day of the week. So he had a a schedule. He had an agenda. He had a plan. He was organized. Let every one of you lay by him in store... as God hath prospered him... that there be no gathering when I come. Verse 3. And when I come... Whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters. So he's saying, Look, church, you need to to choose some people that are going to help me do this job. You need to write letters, sit down and write letters and plan and prepare. Paul's a prepared man, be a prepared person. He goes on. He says, by your letters, in verse 3, then will I send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. So Paul had a plan. He's going to send these, these helpers with this offering and the funds for the saints up to Jerusalem. This took organization. This took planning. Look on, verse 4. And if it be meet that I go, they shall, I go also, they shall go with me. Now, we find in these first verses that Paul is a, is a prepared man. But then I want you to notice this about Paul. Paul was a pliable man. Yes, he had a plan. Yes, he had organization. Yes, he laid out uh, uh, his his future plans. But look on, verse number four says, "And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be." Notice that phrase, "And it may be." See, Paul knew that sometimes. The plans that he personally laid out, he prayed over it, he planned over it, he laid it out. Those weren't always the plans that God had laid out. Sometimes God's way is different than our way. We have to be flexible and pliable to the leading of God. So look, learn this skill. Very important in the ministry. Be prepared, have a plan, but as you enter into that plan, be pliable to the daily moment-by-moment will of God. Paul said, it may be, it may be. He didn't know yet what God was going to do tomorrow and the next day. He goes, I will abide, yea, and winter with you that ye may bring me on my journey with us wherever I go. Look at verse seven, for I will not see you uh, now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you. Well, look at the end of verse 7. What does it say? If the Lord permit. So Paul, in preparing himself for the great doors of his ministry in life, he was a prepared man, but he was a pliable man. Now, young people, I want to tell you today, one of the skills that every Christian must learn is you must learn to recognize when God opens doors in your life AND WHEN GOD CLOSES DOORS IN YOUR LIFE. PAUL HAD LEARNED THAT. NOW, DID GOD OPEN DOORS FOR PAUL? ABSOLUTELY. GOD OPENED GREAT DOORS FOR PAUL. MISSIONARY TRIPS AND CHURCH PLANTING AND SOUL-WINNING CRUSADES. GOD OPENED MANY GREAT DOORS FOR PAUL, BUT GOD ALSO CLOSED DOORS IN PAUL'S LIFE. WERE THERE EVER TIMES IN PAUL'S LIFE and MINISTRY THAT HE HAD A DESIRE TO GO TO A CERTAIN REGION OR DO A CERTAIN THING, AND THE HOLY SPIRIT DID NOT PERMIT HIM TO DO THAT? YES, Acts CHAPTER 16. God changed his direction. God showed him a different way. So as you enter in to find God's great doors for your life and ministry, be prepared, but be pliable. You say, how do you do that? Number one, walk with God every day. Paul walked with God every day. He had a walk with God. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul was able to recognize When God opened doors in his life and when God closed doors in his life because Paul walked with God. Young people, develop a walk with God. You're not ready to serve God until you've learned to walk with God. Walk with him daily in his word. Be a man or a woman of the Bible. Be a man or a woman of prayer. Walk with God every day. Number two, die to self daily. The Apostle Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 31, he said, I die daily. You know what I've learned in my life? Tom Odom has to die every day. Not physically, praise the Lord, but spiritually. I've got to die to my own will, to my own plans, to my own uh, agenda. I've got to surrender my organizer to the organizer, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to say, Lord, here's my agenda. I pray you'll lead me in it. But if your will is different than my will, then guide me and direct me with your divine appointments every day. Lord, open the right doors today. And Lord, close the wrong doors today. Guide me and direct me in your will. Die to self every day. Be surrendered to God's will, not just daily, but moment by moment. Oh, I could tell you story after story today in my life how I've tried to open my own doors I've tried to make it happen and I've learned in my life when it's my will and it's when my agenda, it's my ambition and I try to open a door, that never goes right. But I've also seen God open doors in my life that I didn't even foresee, I didn't even have it in my planner that God had it for me. And when you walk with the Lord and you die to self and you surrender to God every day, He begins to open doors in your life. He begins to show you His will. And there's nothing like going through the doors that God opens in your life. Praise the Lord. I see Paul's pursuit of the open door in his life. Number two, I see Paul's passion for opportunities. Paul was a man who was passionate about doing God's will He was passionate about preaching the gospel. In chapter 16, verse number 8, I love what he says here. Verse number 9, excuse me. In verse number 9, he says, For a great door, an effectual, is opened unto me. Who opened that door? The Lord opened that door. And I want to tell you, young people, any door that God opens for you is a great door. This word great means large. It opens to a large space. It's a wonderful thing, an awesome thing. And I want to tell you, doing the will of God is an awesome thing. There's nothing like serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the passion today for serving the Lord? Paul had a passion in his life and his ministry every day for God. And I want to have that passion in my life. I pray God will raise up another generation, your generation, With a passion like that for the Lord and for the gospel, Paul's passion was for Christ and for preaching his gospel everywhere that he went. As a matter of fact, if you look back in chapter number 9, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I love what he says to the church at Corinth in verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 16. A man of passion, look what he says. Chapter 9 verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I love that Holy Spirit-inspired exclamation point right there, amen? Hey, some Christians need to get a Holy Spirit-inspired exclamation point back in their life. We need to get an urgency and a passion again for the will of God, for the preaching of the Word of God, for soul winning. Listen, some of you lost your zeal for your bus route or your ministry or for Bible preaching in chapels like this, and you need to get on your knees and say, Lord, give me a passion again for the work of God. Give me a passion for souls being saved. Give me a passion to do your will with my life. Paul had a passion and that's why he saw and knew and experienced the open doors of God in his life. God opened great doors for Paul. We find in our text back in chapter 16 that this particular door that God opened for Paul, this great door, was in Ephesus. Verse 8 says, I will tarry at Ephesus into the Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, was a celebration that Paul knew that People would be traveling to that city, and he knew that the opportunity to preach the gospel and to see souls saved would be great. He was excited about that. Are you excited about soul winning? Are you excited about the opportunity? Hey, we get to carry the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Hey, I still haven't gotten over that. I get to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I don't know why God allows us to do it, but I'm glad he does. Hey, we, have a, we sing a song, the songwriter said, that the angels cannot sing. We are sinners saved by grace, and the evangelized become the evangelists, and we have the joy and the privilege of carrying the message of God. We should be passionate about that. God is opening doors. Not only did He open doors in the first century, God's opening doors in the 21st century. Amen? Hey, how many of you believe our God's still alive and on the throne today? God is still working. God is still saving the lost. God is still establishing His church. God's still opening doors. We uh, we had the joy earlier this year in January, our church, God opened a great door for us. Through other churches that as well were involved, we... We're contacted by, uh, by the Department of Education in the Bahamas, the Bahama Islands. Nassau, Bahamas is a 45-minute flight from Fort Lauderdale, from my airport. Just a little hop and a skip. And uh, we got contacted by them through Five Star Christian Ministries. And we found out they invited us to come over and preach the gospel in every public school in Nassau, Bahamas. When I heard that, my heart jumped. I thought, praise God. How in the world does that happen? How, how, does, how does a group of Christians just get invited to come into another nation, and, and they, say, they literally say, we want you to come in and preach the gospel in our public schools. Not to a little group, the whole school. The teachers, the principal, the staff. We got to go in. In January, we took a team. We had several teams. Boy, what a time we had. There were host churches, independent fundamental Baptist churches there in Nassau that hosted the, uh, the teams that came in. We all day in the mornings we'd go into the public schools and preach and give the gospel and saw young people saved, teenagers saved, teachers saved, principals saved. And then at night we'd go to the host churches and there was three pastors and we all, each one of us had a team and we'd go into the host churches at night and, and I'd preach in one church Monday night and then the next church I, the, the, the next night I was at the next church and Wednesday night I was in the next church and we rotated. And man, you talk about a time. I mean, we, we had revival at night and we had soul winning in the morning. I saw. God do a great work and listen we don't know the exact numbers but there was a great response into the thousands of souls that got saved Amen. hey that happened in 2018 that happened in your generation what does that tell us god still opens doors for his work young people find god's open doors and serve him go through them be used of god in them the getch mentioned our County. I, I thank God. I, I'm amazed every day that God would use me, period. But God is using our church in a very liberal place. I heard it over and over on the news. This is the most liberal county in Florida. Maybe one of the most liberal counties in the country. I'm thinking, man, alive. Thank you for reminding me of that. Amen. I mean, we're not ruby red. We're deep, deep blue down there, you know. But I've seen God save souls. I've seen lives turned around. I've seen marriages reclaimed. I'm seeing young people. Our youth group is growing and excited and serving the Lord and going out soul winning every week and seeing people say, hey, how do you explain that? There's a God in heaven who still opens doors. We need the passion, the passion to go through those doors, to preach the gospel. I see Paul's pursuit of the open door I SEE PAUL'S PASSION FOR HIS OPPORTUNITIES. BUT NUMBER THREE, I SEE PAUL'S PERSISTENCE IN OPPOSITION. NOW I WANT YOU TO NOTICE WHAT HE SAYS IN VERSE NUMBER NINE, IT'S VERY IMPORTANT. WE CAN GET EXCITED TODAY ABOUT THE OPEN DOOR. WE CAN GET EXCITED TODAY ABOUT GOD'S WORK, AND WE SHOULD GET EXCITED, AND WE SHOULD BE uh, URGENT ABOUT THAT, AND THERE SHOULD BE A PASSION FOR THAT, AN ENTHUSIASM FOR THE WORK OF GOD. BUT DON'T FORGET THIS, PAUL REMINDS US, LOOK AT VERSE NINE. For a great door and effectual is open unto me. The next word is and. And there are many what? Adversaries. It's interesting. The structure of the verse, the way the Holy Spirit inspires Paul here. He doesn't say, but there be many adversaries. He says, and there be many adversaries. Young people, learn this and learn it well. Every time God opens a door there's going to be battles to fight. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, the door of opportunity always swings on the hinges of opposition. You are never going to set out to do anything for God without having to face the adversaries. There's going to be battles to fight. There's going to be the adversarial, the adversaries that will come against the work of God. But aren't you glad today? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. But God's people need a persistence. We need a commitment to keep on keeping on. When times are good, praise the Lord. But when times are bad, praise the Lord. When things are up, praise God. But when things are down, praise God. You're going to go through difficult times. Perhaps there's many even here today, no doubt. You're going through difficult times. Don't give up. Don't give up. The work is too great. The door is too great. It's too open. Don't give up. Don't let the world, the flesh, and the devil slow you down and discourage you. Paul said, and there be many adversaries. One of the great secrets to Paul's ministry, open secrets, is that he was persistent in the face of opposition. I want you to look at what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. If you have your Bibles, turn over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In this passage, Paul lists just a few of the experiences he had gone through, the difficulties he had gone through. And this is not a comprehensive list. Paul went through many other things besides these things. But look at what Paul writes. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Beginning at verse number 24, Paul writes to the same church at Corinth. He says, Of the Jews, five times received I, 40 stripes, save one. That's 39 stripes, five different times. If you were to see Paul's body, his back, his sides, it would have been covered with scars. He truly bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. hundred and ninety-five times he had been whipped here. Verse 25, Thrice or three times was I beaten with rods. A rod was a shorter stick that was uh, a stiff, almost like you think of a small baseball bat. It would cause great injury and harm to be beaten with a rod. But three times that happened to Paul. He says, once was I stoned. Remember that? Remember that in Lystra? They stoned Paul. And the Bible says they they thought that he was dead. I, I think he was dead. I think he died and went to the third heaven. I think he was that man that went to the third heaven. And God sent him back. But they stoned him. He goes on, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often in perils of waters... And perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Besides those things, that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Young people, listen, I don't know what you've been through. I know some of the things I've been through. If we put our list up next to Paul's list, we probably wouldn't have a very bad list. Amen? I mean, Paul went through it. What I love about Paul is he never quit. He never gave up. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He kept on keeping on because he knew the door was great. The opportunity was great. The calling was great. And Jesus Christ was too worthy for him to quit and drop out of that race. God, give us persistence. I heard a story a long time ago about an old farmer. The farmer had a, he had an old mule. The mule's name was Jake. Now, Jake, no offense, that was just his name, all right, Jake, but this this mule's name was Old Jake. Jake had been a great mule. He had had his day. He had pulled the plow. He had done the works in the fields, but Old Jake had gotten up in years, couldn't see well, couldn't see hardly at all, kind of broken down. But the farmer didn't have the heart to kill Old Jake, so he decided to put Old Jake out in the pasture and just let him roam in the pasture and graze in the pasture the pasture the last few days of his life. One day old Jake was walking through the pasture, and of course he couldn't see, and he came up to an old well that had been covered. It was an empty well, and as he stepped on that covering of that well, it gave way, and old Jake fell all the way down to the bottom of the well. He started moaning and crying and wailing, and the farmer heard him. And the farmer went out to that well, and he looked down, and he saw old Jake at the bottom of the well. And he thought, well... I guess this is the end of old Jake. I guess, this, uh, I guess this well would make a really nice grave. So what I'll do is I'll just bury him. I'll go get my front end loader and I'll just bury him here. And we can put a little marker up and it can say, here lies old Jake. <laughs> he had his day, but now he's gone. And so the old farmer went and he got his front end loader and he went over and he began to scoop up dirt. And he began to throw it down in that hole. And scoop up dirt and throw it down in that hole. And scoop up dirt and throw it down that hole. But what the farmer didn't know is that old Jake wasn't ready to die. And down in that hole, something was going on that the farmer didn't even realize was going on. Every time the farmer dropped that bucket of dirt down in that hole, old Jake would shake it off and step up a little bit higher. And the next load would come down, and Jake would just shake it off and step up a little bit higher over and over and over again. And before long, old Jake had shaken it off and stepped up a little bit higher, and out of that well, he walked back into the pasture. And I want to tell you today, we need some old Jakes in the ministry today. Because you're going to go through life, and at times you're going to falter, you're going to fail, you're going to have disappointments, and you're going to find yourself in a pit like Joseph found himself. And the old devil's going to come by, and you know what he's going to say? Hey, I'm going to bury him right here. And the old devil's going to say, this is going to be your grave. This is going to be your ministry grave right here. I'll bury them right here. It'll be the end of their ministry and their potential for God. But when the devil starts piling the dirt on, folks, young people, shake it off and step up a little bit higher for God. Shake it off and step up a little bit higher for God and keep on keeping on for the Lord as long as you have life, as long as you have breath. Keep on keeping on for God. Paul was persistent. I love what he said in Acts 20, 24 to the... The elders of Ephesus, he said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I love how he said that I might finish. Young people, determine now that you're going to finish. Many of you have decided that you're going to start the race for God. Praise the Lord. You're at Bible college, it's exciting. I'm so encouraged to see this today. You've decided to start the race for God. Decide you're going to finish it. Decide you're going to finish it. Lastly today, not only do we see Paul's pursuit of the open door and Paul's passion for opportunities and Paul's persistence against opposition, but number four, and I'll finish with this, I see Paul's proof of the overcoming power of the gospel At the end of chapter 16, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, after he talks about the open door, Paul, he goes into this final stretch of his epistle to the church at Corinth. And I want you to notice some things that happen here. Look look back in 1 Corinthians 16. Notice what he says in verse number 10. He begins to mention some people. In verse 10 he says, Now, if Timotheus comes, I want you to mark that or note that he mentions Timotheus here or Timothy. Look down in verse number 12. He says, as touching our brother Apollos, mark that, Apollos. He mentions Apollos. Look down at verse 15. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. Note that, that name, Stephanus. It says that is of the first fruits of Achaia, and they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Notice in verse 17, he mentions again Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achacus. Notice, if you will, in verse number 19, he mentions the churches of Asia. Mark that, the churches of Asia. Again in verse 19, he mentions Aquila and Priscilla. Now look, this was was evident in Paul's writings. He would often do this at the end of his books. But why did Paul mention people's names like that at the end of his book? He was giving instruction, he was giving uh, uh, information, but I want to tell you this, I believe Paul is pointing to these people and he's reminding the church at Corinth, hey, look at Timothy! And remember that God still has the power to overcome. Look at a young man, Timothy, who who had a divided home, a father who was a Greek. He didn't have a, a saved father, to our knowledge, but thank God he had a Godly mother and a godly grandmother. And he was taught the Bible from his youth. And in spite of the fact that his dad was not a believer, God could still use him. And Timothy stood as a testimony, as a proof of the overcoming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apollos, a mighty orator, a great preacher who had learned from John, but then later was was taught by Aquila and Priscilla and later Paul. He's a reminder that that God can use our talents and our skills and our abilities and refine them and guide them in his perfect will. I love Stephanus in verse 15. I, I wish I could preach a whole sermon on every one of these. But Stephanus in his house... They were the first fruits of Achaia. That reminds us that wherever the gospel goes, things happen. You say, well, where is God calling me to go? I, I, I have to go somewhere where there's plenty of churches. Hey, God might call you to a place where there's plenty of churches. If he does, praise God. But you know what? Hey, hey, God still wants people to go where there's no churches. Amen. God still wants people to go where they can't count votes. And it's the most liberal county in, in Florida. Amen. Hey, Broward County needs the light of the gospel. Somebody's got to go to the dark places of this world and shine the light for God. And Stephanus is a reminder in his family that wherever the gospel goes, God works. Souls are saved. Lives are changed. I love that the testimony he gives here. Aquila and Priscilla. Oh, God bless Aquila and Priscilla. The husband and wife team, we would call them laymen. They were tent makers, but they encouraged a man of God. They opened their home to a a church plant. They were helpers in the ministry. Oh, I thank God for our our church back home and all the Aquilas and Priscillas that God has given to me. They're reminders of God's power. But then there's another name that is mentioned at the very end of the book that stands above all these other names as a proof of the overcoming power of the gospel And it's the name of Paul himself. Look what he says in verse 21. The salutations of me, Paul, with mine own hand. Paul said, look, church at Corinth, if you have any doubt that our God can still change lives, that our God can still do miracles, he says, yeah, look at Timothy, look at Apollos, look at Stephanus, look at the churches of Asia, look at Aquila and Priscilla, but just look at me. Look at what God has done with me. Saul of Tarsus. God can change a murderer to a minister. Amen. God can turn a persecutor of the gospel into a preacher of the gospel. Look at Paul's life. Look at his testimony. Young people, God is still at work. The word of God still has power. The gospel of Jesus Christ still changes lives. I'll finish with this. I read a story a while back about a missionary in Africa, Zimbabwe. He was out trying to win souls, and he he had New Testaments in their language. He was giving out to these people, these natives in this area, and he was handing them out, and he came across a particular man, and he offered this man the New Testament, and the man was just belligerent and an atheist and against everything he was trying to preach that day. And the man said, if you give me that New Testament, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear every page out of it, and I'm going to roll it up and smoke it as a cigarette. And uh, the missionary thought quickly on his feet. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll make you this deal. If you promise me that you'll read the page before you smoke it, I'll give it to you and we'll have a deal. The man said, all right. I'll make you that deal. I'll read it before I smoke it. He said, all right. So he gave him the New Testament and went on his way. That missionary went on for years, kind of just forgot that story. Many years later, he was in a conference in Africa of pastors and churches. And a man walked up to him and the man said to this missionary, hey, do you remember me? And the missionary says, no, you have to remind me who you are. He said, you met me many years ago. You were passing out New Testaments in my village, and I told you that I I didn't believe all that, and I told you I was going to take every page and use it, roll it up, and smoke it. And you told me that if I were to read the page before I smoke it, you'd give it to me. And the missionary says, I remember you. I remember you. He says, tell me what's happened. He says, well, he said, I took that New Testament home. He said, I started at the beginning. He said, I smoked all the way through Matthew. I read the page and I smoked it. I read the page and I smoked it. He said, I smoked all the way through Mark. I smoked all the way through Luke. And he said, then I came to John and I smoked through John chapter one, and I smoked through John chapter two. I read it, then I smoked it. I read it then I smoked it. He said, and then I came to John chapter three. And as I was reading John chapter 3, I came to verse 16. And when I read John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but of everlasting life. He said, The Holy Spirit smote my heart, and I fell on my knees, and I called on Jesus Christ to save me. And now I'm a preacher in my village. Let me tell you something, young people. The Word of God has power. The Word of God still works. The gospel still works. Look to these examples in the Word of God. Look to what God is doing in your own day, in your own generation. Find the open doors of God in your life and pursue them. Be passionate about them. Be persistent when times get hard. And remember the proof that God is still at work. Let us pray together today. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the testimony of Paul. Oh, how he loved the church at Corinth. He loved these people. They were disobedient in many ways. They needed revival. They needed help. But, Lord, in this final chapter, we find such encouragement. And, Father God, I pray that you'll use this Bible message to encourage hearts today. Lord, speak to young men, young ladies. Help them to find your great doors. Help them to have passion for the work of the gospel. Give them persistence in the face of trials. Lord, may they look at the proof all around them that you're still at work and may they be encouraged to keep on keeping on for you. In Jesus' name we pray.